0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gaunt. We're on to episode 38. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host Hugo. It's great to have
1: you here. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. But I just can't wait to um, say hello to our very special guest. And um, well, none other than one of the best um, paddle players in the UK. And that's Sam Jones. Hi, Sam.
2: Hey guys, thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Thanks a
0: lot for joining, Sam. It's a pleasure to have you here, as Hugo said. Uh, how about we kick things off with uh, with a bit of an introduction? We obviously always like to do this. It'd be great if you could tell us a bit about yourself. And then the main thing as well, can you tell us when you were first introduced to Paddle?
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, I'm Sam. I'm 24 years old from Essex, um, I say London, generally, because if you're from in Spain, people don't often know Essex, so to generalise it, I say I'm from London, and well, to be fair, my story is pretty um, common, i come from a tennis background, i played tennis since I was three years old, more or less, and then when I got to about 14, 15, Paddle came to the UK to my home club in Davilo Chigwell, and I had a bit of history with Paddle, because I used to go to Spain to train for tennis. Um, and we used to warm up on the paddle courts you know just footwork or movement or just to warm up the hand sort of thing um so I knew what it was when it came to the UK and but my full focus was still tennis uh, I was playing that you know full-time competing around the UK in different tournaments um but yeah once it came to the UK I started playing it like once a week or twice a week if that and then by the end of the year kind of fully stopped tennis more or less and um was playing paddle you know three four even five times a week and, and loved it nice that's nice. really
0: really interesting so you said there that, that was 2016 were you
2: 2015, uh, 2015 maybe yeah late 2014 2015 that's sort of when I was about 14 or 15 so
0: so by then there were courts in the UK I thought it was uh, actually much later than that
2: yeah I mean just in David Lloyd like Chigwell my home club there was they built three indoor courts well two and a half really because one of the courts was like covered by a you couldn't even lob on one side so (laughs) there was two that were that were good but yeah back then it was pretty you know barely any courts around the uk
0: yeah very interesting you probably must have been one of the very first uh, british players to to
2: properly play yeah absolutely i mean when i first started it was so hard to find who to play with to even you tell people, yeah i play paddle. I, I mean, even even now, like you get that sort of. It's still it's still so new in the UK. It's still so sort of um, unheard of, really, to many people. But it's luckily now it's starting to pick up, and there's more uh, courts and clubs being developed, and and it's exciting to see.
1: And actually, this isn't even one of the questions that I thought we weren't going to ask you, but you've kind of set it up. Um, do you prefer playing paddle or tennis? <laughs>
2: Um, now paddle for sure I do miss tennis I do miss kind of swinging fully and hitting a ball and you really get a sensation um by playing tennis because you know you can really hit through the ball whereas in paddle it's all kind of controlled and short swings and and things like that so I do miss tennis but yeah for sure paddle is yeah first choice
1: I'm glad to hear that that's the case um well maybe we could move on to maybe last season and just a bit of a summary for, well, for our listeners to understand how you fared throughout the 2023 season. So maybe uh, something along the lines of your best result, the best pair you played against um, your end of season ranking and anything else that you think would be um, that you want to share really.
2: Yeah. Well, obviously like most athletes I had ups and downs, I had good wins, I had, you know, bad losses and and things like that as part and part of being a, a sports person. Um, I traveled quite a lot. You know, it's one of the reasons I love playing paddle is to travel. Uh, I explored all over the world, really. I went to Japan and Thailand to, to discover the Asian sort of over there, which was really fun to play in. Um, yeah, all around Europe. Play. I played the Phipps. So uh, the Phipps and the Premier, that's my the circuit I've learned. I finished around one hundred and sixty in the world, um, more or less. I got some good wins. My best win was against, it was in guitar actually, against... Uh, Victor Menor and Nico Sweskin, who are top 100. I think Nico's about 65 and Victor's about 75. So that was a really, really good win for me. Um, personally, my best win of, of my career for sure. Um, and that came right at the end, about November time. So that was kind of after the year leading up, kind of coming to the end. Didn't really have like a, anything to shout about until that point um but you know standard results because that's that's one of the hardest things is that you win the matches you should win you lose the matches you should lose maybe you'll get a good score and, and you feel good about it but it's the ones where it's 50 50 before the match you you feel like you can win i often came out on the other side the wrong side i'd say for those matches but to, to get that that win was a massive confidence booster for me and it proved to myself that i could um, compete at the highest level, and and yeah, so that's why I came into this year uh, excited to see what the year had had held. He- sorry, what the year had held for me. Uh, ha- have ahead. Uh, fuck. Oh my god. Can't talk. um <laughs> What the year has a, has for me, and um yeah, excited to get going. Really. Yeah, so yeah I can great. imagine.
0: I guess it's Sorry, you go, guns. No, well, I was just gonna say it's a great way to end the season. I'm sure, and. Uh, I'm sure you were quite happy uh, to to end it in that note with your best result, essentially.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was a great way to end the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, beating a top sixty, top seventy-ranked player is 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 big words. So obviously, big congrats on that. And it's great that your season ended on a high rather than the other way around. For example, when you think about uh, Dabia, I'm sure he's incredibly happy about his season last season, but. They did kind of drop off a bit, and you're yeah, going yeah. to the next season feeling doubtful. Uh, so yeah, great. To yeah, hear I think
2: course. that's one of the toughest things. When you're the number ones, you you've got a target on your back. Everyone is wanting to beat you. And and at the start of the year, they started. You know, no one could touch them. They were winning everything, and not just winning it, they're winning comfy. Like they were winning against every pair in the world very easily. And I think it took a lot of different strategies, a lot of different tactics to find the right way to, to play against them. Also slow courts fast courts, indoor outdoor that all affected it and i think once they had that first loss they might have come back down to the ground a little bit and and maybe felt um they're not unbeatable and and then yeah then it became more of a fair level playing ground and and that's what you want as as a viewing spectator you don't want to know the win of every single tournament you don't want to to already i mean it's a bit like in football um when you watch Man City against any of the league, really, you kind of already walking into the match thinking, "Yeah, Man City going to win that." Whereas you want it to be a bit um, unpredictable, and and that's the fun thing about sport is that anyone can beat anyone.
0: Hundred uh, percent. Hugo and I actually last season we did this thing called the race where we would essentially try to predict like every single tournament like from the semi-finals onwards. And to be honest, it was just the same names every time. Exactly. <laughs> maybe we would switch up the scores here and there, like someone wins <laughs> two sets, someone in one. If if the uh, if the court was like slow or fast, we would think maybe like uh, the other pair wins, like I don't know Stupadinen or like would win. Yeah. Um, instead but of. But it's the uh, same like, names again, again yeah, exactly. and again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I I completely agree. Uh, it would be also very interesting for us to hear um, if you. If you have any learnings any major learnings that that you want to take uh, into the season from last
2: um yeah for sure I think one of the biggest improvements I made last year was my fitness and I kind of I've always relied on ability rather than sort of fitness and everyone has different styles you get some players that are purely based on fitness they haven't got much not not level to say but they haven't got shots that some players can just pull out the bag that I know where they fully rely on their you know physical aspects of getting around the court not getting tired grinding out matches and and that's you know a style of play that doesn't really suit me or my game but i knew that to go to the next level i'd really have to work on sort of my fitness and being a bit sharper on the court getting behind the ball cuz that way then i can get into position and so one of the biggest things i worked on kind of during summer during towards the end of the year was Fitness. I lost a little bit of weight. I kind of did more running, more intervals, more high intensity training. And that really benefited me. I felt on the court, I felt faster, I felt lighter, I felt sharper. And so I definitely during the off season, and the preseason build up, I definitely wanted to work on my fitness to come back at the start of the season in tip top shape.
0: Nice. So, would you say that focus was maybe more on speed, maybe rather than strength, or would yeah, definitely.
2: To... I, there's not many paddle players out there that are, you know, super well, you know, well built or strong, because ultimately you want to be quite fast and agile around the court. And although one of the greatest assets of being strong would be your aerial game, your smash, aggressive volleys, and quite slim, tall, lean build, um, and they can still smash because at the end they smash it down to technique and down to kind of timing. And although if you're strong, you can get away with smashing from all over the place and things like that. One of the GB members, Louis Harris, he's, he's really strong and his smash is, is unplayable. Like I'm talking top 10 in the world level smash. Um, ridiculous, you know, smash from anywhere on the court. But then other aspects of his game will be less because of the, of the size, you know? So what you, get in, you, what you gain is strength in one side could weaken you in other. And it just depends on your style of game and what you prefer to play. I, I, I need to be quite fast and agile because I'm not a, not a super aggressive player with my smash. I'm more kind of um, Chiquitas and going forward and, and running back. And so, yeah, I definitely felt to improve my game, I would need to work on my fitness.
1: That's really interesting. And we know how relevant fitness is. When you look at the top players, I think one of the big reasons why Halan and Lebron are at the top is because they are probably the fittest pair together. Yeah, at least in my eyes. So so, yeah, great to hear that that fitness is becoming more and more relevant. And actually, I wanted to ask you more around this season and well, firstly, who you'll be pairing up with. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about him. And also, actually, I'm not totally aware. And I think I've even seen you play on both sides of the court. But which side of the court do you focus on?
2: um I, I tend to not have one partner for the year also because um it's it, some it's so many tournaments around of, around the year that it's hard to find someone to play everything with like there might be times like, I'm available that someone's not or vice versa and things like that so there's I'm in I'm in the academy in Madrid so I kind of play with uh different people from the academy um you know or even players from from GB UK so kind of I, I've I've yeah, I change it around. I'd say, um, but always a backhand player because I'm I'm forehand. Uh, I play on the right hand side. So yeah, I always look for you know big smashers, aggressive players to suit my to suit my game as well.
1: Nice. I I mean we know how important fitness is in paddle today, and I think for forehand players it's probably even more important because you have to be really good defensively, and for that you've got to be really fast, right?
2: Yeah, also as well, as I'm no not known for being super aggressive with my smash or anything like that, I don't I want to get picked on. But if I'm playing with someone, for example, last year I played a lot with Louis Harris, um, whose smash is, you know, I'd I mentioned before, ridiculous. So they'll play a lot to me. And if I'm running backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards throughout the the, the match, I would need to be up, you know, up there in, in my fitness game. So that's why, yeah, exactly. I worked on, on my fitness as well.
0: Yeah, I think if... Especially as well, if you're basically getting most of the lobs, your shoulders, everything, you can get tired really easily. And yeah, on Louis Harris, I I second that. I was actually, uh, I played one of the grade twos in in Stratford uh, towards the end of last year and he was there and honestly, I mean... First of all, the size of him, he's like one ninety something. Yeah. Huge. About the size size of a wardrobe.
2: And he was just <laughs> smash it, mas- smashing it out. Of the anywhere, court, honestly, like. anywhere. It goes out for three, brings it back, whatever you want. And the sounds, the sound as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The the noise of the racket is is yes, is really cool.
0: Yeah, it was uh it was interesting to watch. Uh but yeah, uh maybe going back to, to this season, uh would be great to to maybe uh, if you could tell us a bit about like your targets um, if you have anything in mind in terms of where you would like to be towards the end of the year or maybe like uh, a specific rounds that, that you want to to get to from the tournaments that you play
2: uh, yeah uh, yeah so I wouldn't say I have specific targets in my mind I have generic ones to improve to kind of uh you know get more big results to be consistent in my in my performances always playing well and getting a good level of 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 results in competitions um I, i'm 160 or 170 roughly around that in in the fit ranking i would like to improve that to maybe like 130 140 and um, playing more fit rises obviously now the this year, the circuit is a little bit different. They've kind of introduced more premier tournaments, so it gives a chance for players with less points to play the FIP rises, the FIP stars, without it being loaded with top-level players. Because last year, there were some tournaments, especially around Europe, like you go to Sweden for a FIP rise where it's meant to be a low, not a low-level tournament, but the people that were entering, because they wanted to build up their points, it was you know really hard for players with no points to actually pick up some points. Um, and then so now now the fact is there's more Premier tournaments for the people to play, for the top-level players to play. It gives us more of a chance to kind of pick up points. So, yeah, definitely want to work on my ranking, my... um, Yeah, my ranking, my level, and also to be part of the GB team because we have the European Championships and the World Championships coming up this year. So, obviously, um, I want to be a part of that and to try to get a good result in, in those tournaments as well.
0: Yeah, that's a massive... Massive event. Um, I'm guessing that that you're really excited for that.
2: Yeah, obviously we don't know the team yet. Um, but I think I'm in a good position to be selected again. I was in the last team, so fingers crossed I'm I'm in this one. Um yeah, I can't wait. They're always a fun tour. Team events are always fun. You've got, you know, our team supporting us when we play. It's just it's just a great atmosphere to be in. You've got all the other teams there, the fans, the supporters and even even some people come over from you know their home countries to support their team and it is quite a fun event as well as being competitive and serious. And actually, just
1: on that, um, what are GB's hopes? Making it out the group or would it be further further down?
2: Yeah, it's tough because now the level is most teams, you know, even if they don't sound or they're not typically known for being a paddle nation, even even anyone now has just got a got eight top players and it's tough to, to win against any team really. Um our goal is always depending on what our group is. You know, we're often um there's normally one really good team, one, one sort of strong team, then I'll say win the next bracket or here and then you've got the kind of a team that we should beat So our, our aim is always to, to qualify from the group no matter who's in our group, we always want to get top eight. Um, but each tournament's coming harder and harder. But you know we've got a lot of players coming through. Um, we've got more of a, a selection process now because until a few years ago it was kind of the same eight players you knew who were going to be in the team whereas this this year and last year there's more training camps more so, more things to kind of pick a team um, and we've got more players coming through to make it a bit more competitive so not everyone is guaranteed a place in the team and and yeah hopefully we're hoping for a for a top eight finish
1: yeah, that'd be great. Obviously, I'm I'm half English, half Spanish, so I will definitely be cheering GB on, even yeah, though. I hope
2: so. I hope so.
1: I hope we're not in the same group. Like, uh, was that two years ago?
2: Yeah, we've been in. We've been. We play in Spain a lot. I I think I've been part of the GB team. Uh, I think in total eleven times, down including juniors, and I've played wow. against Spain about five. So. <laughs> Yeah, half my times have been against the Spanish team. I've played against, I've been fortunate, you can look at it in both ways. I've, I've played against a lot of, like, I've played against Paquito, LeBron, Mati Diaz, um, Alex Ruiz, Galan. So, yeah, I've played against uh, a lot of the top players. But, you know, it's it's tough. It's a good level. Yeah, I mean, I imagine. Yeah, I was, mean, I <laughs> yeah, I was, I was
0: just going to ask, do you enjoy those sort of matches? I mean, I'm sure that at the beginning you're, you are ec- ecstatic to play these players obviously as, as a professional athlete and and competitor i'm sure that you you love to play these sort of matches but then maybe when you're in the and ma- the match itself it can be a, a bit like uh, frustrating or, or or scary
2: yeah no the it's always fun to play those matches you kind of go in with the expectation it's, you're probably not going to win you just want to play well put up a good fight and and performance and try to play your best. It's not easy to play your best because they don't let you at all. But I remember in Qatar 2021, I think it was, me and Louis played against Galan and Javi Rico. So obviously Galan was, you know, really, really good. Javi Rico's a style of play that he lets you play. He's not, Galan just kind of, you know, smashed everything. His volleys are rolling. He plays so fast. You know, it's almost like you, you hit a shot. And he's already waiting for the next one with his racket. Just ridiculous. Javier Rico's a bit slower. He's a bit more kind of. He lets you play lobs. And and as we found a way into the match, um, eventually, against him, and we ended up getting a 6-4 in the second set, and we had a break point at 4-4 to go 5-4 up. So, you know, that was our claim to fame, and and we will joke about it. But, yeah, it's just so fun to play against those players, and you you realise when you play against them why they are the best in the world. Yeah, wow. I mean, that sounds
0: like a pretty epic uh, match, to be honest. And, uh, But yeah, obviously, the, these players as well have probably been playing more years. They've got more experience. They they, had, they have all the all the training facilities as well, which uh, is why I'm guessing a lot of players, even from the UK, are, are going to Spain, uh, like yourself, to train, just given the, the deep expertise that, that Spain has, uh, given that it's just been doing it yeah. for, for such a long time, really. And maybe this sets us nicely into the next uh, sort of topics that we want to discuss with you because we would love to dwell a, a bit deeper into paddle in the UK and, and what you think about that. Uh, so it's obviously growing a lot. Uh, I think you mentioned it, it's getting more and more popular, but there's still a lot of instances where you do tell someone that you play paddle and they're like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, but, but it would be great to hear from your side if you think that paddle uh can become one of the UK's like main and, and favorite sports in the next few years and and what do you really think needs to happen for, for this to apply? yeah
2: um paddling in the UK is it's a tough one to to say it's been around for a long time but when you compare it to other countries like Sweden or France uh, Germany any really country in Europe they've they've started after us but they're so much further ahead of us and And I think one of the reasons they've just kind of, they've just built, built and built. They've kind of, you know, all their tennis clubs have just kind of opened up paddle paddle clubs. And now I'm actually a a board member now on R3 Sports, which is basically the leading growth for Paddle in the UK. So we have ambitions and aims to kind of open more clubs around the UK, host events, competitions, charity things, just to kind of um, really pick up the attention on Paddle. And we have a a team of... um, myself, Jonathan Rowland, who's really successful entrepreneur, um, Andrew Thatcher, who's also another really successful entrepreneur, and uh, Javi Garcia, and my one of my best friends, Nikhil Mahindra, who's also a Team GB member. And um, we've got quite a good team there. You know, we've got different people based around parts of the world, uh, good contacts, and hopefully through us and other investors as well, such as the LTA and other companies, hopefully now the next couple of years, there'll be way more clubs, way more um just courts and just building courts and and kind of in every tennis club and just trying to get also the juniors involved from a young age so they kind of can pick it up from the same age as when the spanish start you know we don't want people to come from when they finish their career in tennis to start at kind of late 20s early 30s we want people to to start paddle you know at 14 even younger 10 11 12 and there's a few coming through now that are a young, like 12, 13 years old, but still compare it to Sweden and unfortunately, like the last year there was a European junior junior world champs, and we didn't even have a team. So we really need to focus on on the youth and the juniors coming through, as well as just kind of building more clubs and make it more accessible in all parts of the UK. Because in London it is quite big, or there is many, there's more opportunities in London, but the problem is it's expensive. And if you're not too familiar with paddle you you know you enjoy it but it's not kind of one of your your sort of favorite hobbies you don't really want to be going down and spending a lot of money that's more for kind of you know people that really enjoy it or spanish that are living in the uk so we need to try to make it more accessible um more clubs more courts and, and just hopefully for it to grow
0: yeah i think the demand is definitely there i just feel like at least in london courts are booked like they yeah like, you can't It's so hard even for myself like to to find slots and, and stuff and i think that building more courts is definitely gonna increase the awareness and just being able to to help that it definitely feels at the marketplace at the moment at least for in london is a bit imbalanced where you've got like tons of demand and not that much supply of yeah
2: definitely it's tough in london as well because obviously it's tough to build Uh, you need to be indoor in the uk it's got to be indoor and to build find a warehouse or a building that the rent isn't you know super expensive uh that the planning commission is all fine and things like that is tough also there's not much available because london is quite small there's not much space so that's one of the advantages like for example sweden has so much space to build in and and they can have massive clubs of 12 13 courts because they've just got so much land to, to to build in whereas in uk especially in london everything's so congested so tight and cramped it's, it's tough to find the right venue
1: funnily enough I, i've thought about this a lot and i do think that infrastructure is the main issue but i also feel that with the uk one of the big problems is that children Play and people just generally play so many sports and love so many sports that it's hard for another sport to make it into that realm because you don't just play football and tennis and maybe basketball like in and around Europe you've got cricket you've got rugby you've got hockey and it's really hard for kids to then be like okay I want to dedicate time to paddle and I've got to pick paddle above all the other sports and all my mates are playing these other sports so I think that's why in the uk in particular it's incredibly challenging for paddle to grow amongst the the younger population
2: yeah it is it's tough like like you said there is people play all sports in the uk and it's tough to kind of have one to take it through but hopefully now with more investors more sponsors coming in there's a bit more sort of media coverage on it as well It's being on sky sports bt sport last few tournaments and other celebrities getting involved as well like for example David Beckham he he loves it and he's got his club in Miami and just other sports like Stormzy for example has lessons now every week with the Team GB coach uh, John Leach um, every week in that. and there's that's a, a great YouTubers, stat yeah it's cool he even made a TikTok the other day and, and John was in it um, <laughs> which is is quite funny and yeah just more YouTubers more social media stars getting involved and And hopefully that will kind of people will see it more often and and it comes more of a a front page sport as well.
1: I mean, I do just to clarify, I do definitely think the paddle is going to make it and break through in the UK because of the history of sport and how big sport is in the UK and also just racket sports generally, not just tennis, but squash, etc. But yeah, I think that's been one of the one of the challenges. And Actually, that does bring me on to the next question I wanted to ask you, because looking at Premier Paddle's calendar for next season, well, this season, there isn't a tournament in the UK. And there is, well, tournaments are going to be hosted in so many different countries. And I just think it's such a big shame. And why do you think that is? Is it, again, due to a lack of infrastructure? or?
2: Yeah, I think it's for two reasons. One, to host one, you need to put a lot of your own money into it with your own sort of backing and your own sponsors and, and it's tough to find that in the UK especially when a lot of companies won't want to put down what they're asking for because they're not going to get much out of it in the first couple of years Um, and the other reason is there's just nowhere to actually to host it really you need like um, a lot of conditions they, they write down a lot of conditions that you need and one of the big things is a stadium court and you can look into a lot of the for example, in Qatar or Dubai, they use the tennis venues to, to do it. And that's definitely an option. But I think right now we're still one or two years behind the tennis clubs wanting to actually be a part of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think over the next, maybe next year, there will definitely be something. Maybe not the biggest one, but, you know, even a, a P2 or hopefully to, to get all the players to come to the UK would be really cool. Um, and it's definitely something they're working on for sure. But yeah, like like you said, it's nowhere right now to, to host it.
0: Do you think perhaps it will be, because you mentioned there the, the fact that tennis clubs are, are maybe the ones like trying to organise this. Do you think if it does come to the UK, most likely will be a sort of tennis club that might facilitate uh, some paddle courts, maybe like Queen's, for example?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure uh, too much if it will be Queen's or I don't think it will definitely be not Wimbledon. Um, those two are quite they're very prestigious clubs um and they they really look after their grass and i think there's like a a rule or a law i'm not sure um how like serious it is but they don't want anything on top of their grass they like to preserve it and they keep it nice and 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 good um for the tournaments to start so maybe not those two but i definitely think there's other venues around the uk um, that, could, that could definitely host a tournament. And I think it's the easiest way to do it as well because you have all the infrastructure there. You haven't got to, you have warm-up courts, practice courts. you've got a gym, you've got, um, you know, player lounges, restaurants, you've got everything kind of set up for it. Um, I think it'd, it'd be sensible to, to do one in the UK. I just got to find the right one.
0: Yeah, it makes, uh, makes a lot of sense and hopefully we will see one in the next couple of years. I'm sure we will, given the UK such a, I would say, yeah. home of like racket sports. Like, I mean, tennis is obviously all the... No, definitely. Things.
2: I think both parties want want something to happen. The Premier and the FIP and also the UK paddle scene, they also want something to happen as well. It's just trying to find the right time. You don't want to do it too soon and it, for it to be a massive fail and, and kind of, not right but we don't want to wait too long because you know we want us to host this one here
0: makes complete sense so maybe moving on now we would love to talk a bit about your main sponsors Uh, this is something that you've briefly mentioned how sponsorships have been growing uh, over the recent years and would love to to hear more about uh, your
2: partners and how have they helped you so far in in your career yeah um i'm I would say I'm really fortunate enough to not need to rely on sponsors to fund my lifestyle in terms of like I love traveling, I love playing all the tournaments and I'm, I'm really lucky to be able to do that uh, you know um, but I've, I've been with Head um, for a long long time now since I was 17. This year I'm actually changing, I'm going to ball paddle um, which sure. is kind of yeah which, which is I'm looking forward to something new. Um, but nowadays in the UK if you're if you're not just in the UK if you're a top player in your own country you're going to get a lot of attention because a lot of the for example we have you know I'd say five or six players competing on the circuit regularly and and showing our faces and, and a lot of different tournaments so we're quite an attractive option especially being you know top 10 or top 5 in your country um, especially being from the UK is quite a big like country in terms of the sporting world um, so yeah it's definitely easier now to find sponsors than it was before um, but if you compare the UK sponsors to someone like Sweden like I think the Vasquez or not, not so much Vasquez the top players in Sweden they're on a really really good salary um, from different sponsors from you know all, and high end sponsors as well not just sort of paddle brand you're talking about sort of mainstream brands as well um it is definitely coming that way but right now my only full sponsor is with head um obviously this year that's coming to an end with with ball paddle but yeah uh hopefully this year i can pick up some more sponsors and it all helps with the traveling and, and the you know accommodation because nowadays as well it is quite they are helping a lot especially the premier they cover a lot of the costs of the tour and so Food is always free, hotels often free, transport is free. Um, And so that definitely helps a lot of the players too. But it's the ones kind of in the FIP rises, the FIP stars, that is all still kind of out of your own money. But yeah, again, the prize money is another way to to earn money. And they've increased that from last year. I think it's more or less doubled. So yeah, it's definitely improving with, with also more, Media coverage and streaming revenue—that's also increasing the the money in the game as well. That's yeah. Great at the end here, of... agreed. Sorry, and at at the end...
1: No, I was just wanted to say that, 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 that at the end of the day, brands are starting to to get involved and not just endemic brands, so paddle focused brands, but all sorts of brands. We've seen how well sixth has had the naming yeah. rights to a number of world paddle tour tournaments. Went to to towards the end of last season. Well, someone like um, Qatar Airways sponsoring and Dabia, Front Shirt. I've actually worked in in sponsorship and, well, brand partnerships for, for a number of years now. And at the end of the day, these brands, now that they're seeing that paddle has been the fastest growing sport in the world for a number of years and how popular it is and how many different, well, famous people are being involved and investing in it. That's the big attraction for brands. It's all about eyeballs. So I do truly believe that that it's well not just a matter of time we're seeing how many brands are already getting involved so yeah excited to to see them invest more in paddle because that's ultimately gonna drive
2: yeah.
1: the sport forward
2: for sure yeah for sure and, and now as well i think one thing that was missing was kind of how popular paddle was in different markets and obviously in spain it's always been quite big but they're not known for splashing the cash Was in you know Qatar, Dubai, in that sort of Middle East area, they they love to kind of give and they're really making an effort to push Paddle and, and push it in, in the right direction with and also the Zone um is another streaming company that have kind of invested to to have Paddle on their their website or their channel um, along with Sky BT Sport. I mean the Hexman Cup two weeks ago was held in Madrid and that was on ITV. So it is coming and now there's more English Kind of coverage as well, which is important because if you're not from Spain or a Spanish-speaking country and you you, can't, you want to understand English is a worldwide everyone's second language is English, so it's kind of really important to, to push it out in English as well. Um, and hopefully, with the Pro Power League in America, that will become a massive success, and they can have you know more big tournaments in America as well because that's a massive market. And if it gets big in America. That's huge. Also, the Asia market as well. I think in India, they're looking at building some clubs in China. Went to Japan uh, in summer last year. And again, it's, it's slowly growing there step by step. So if it gets big in different markets around the world, then it would really take off.
0: Yeah, well, I was listening to a Manu Martin podcast very recently where he mentioned those two markets, uh, sort of the US and, and China, actually. He was saying that. If, if paddle makes it there it would just essentially become like a yeah it would be a sport yeah exactly definitely but it's great to hear as well that bull paddles uh, adding another stud to to their incredible <laughs> roster honestly it's uh, absolutely stacked
1: out
2: <laughs> I know they're taken over they are uh, they've got a lot of players but it's fun to be part of a different family and I'm looking forward to it
1: yeah I'm sure it'll be great and it is just probably the most famous paddle brand at least in terms of yeah history so so yeah congrats Definitely. obviously on on that and my last question before we move on to just a couple of very quick silly questions <laughs> i wanted to ask you just obviously we've been talking about how much paddle players can make from sponsorships etc and we wanted to ask you how hard is it to well, make a living from being a professional paddle player when you're outside of the top fifty, the top hundred. Obviously, you said you're fortunate enough that you don't have to depend on sponsorships to travel and play tournaments. But when you talk to colleagues, etc., it would just be great to get a get a feel for that.
2: Yeah, it it comes down to to where you're from as well. A lot of it I mentioned before. For example, if you're number one in you know the UK, Sweden, Germany, Denmark, wherever it is. You're gonna be on more money than if you're top outside top hundred from Spain because you're worth more. Um, even though you're kind of similar ranking, one is number one in their country and one is you know number hundred in Spain is pretty much hundred in the world. So you're kind of, um, if you're from a foreign country, you're you've got more opportunities for sure. Um, and it is tough if you're outside top hundred. It's tough to make a living, um, just solely from paddle. But hopefully now, like we're saying before, with more investors coming in, it should be, I, I like the, the, going back to tennis, um, the ATP have just introduced a new rule about if you're, I, I can't remember the exact figures, but the top 100 in tennis, they, they're pretty set. They make good money. But if you're 100 to 250 or if you're 100 to 400 in the world ATP, it's so tough to, to make money. It's tough to, to know when your next payday is coming they've introduced almost like a set salary so you'll make if you're 100 to 170 you're making I think it was something like 150,000 a year not in one go but they'll give you that as a salary throughout the year that you can spend and travel and and compete and it'll be good in paddle if they could do something similar to that to help everyone um, outside top 100 because you know like like you said it's tough to, to make a living if you're not top 100 because also not only is it tough to to get sponsors you can't enter the big tournaments to to get a chance to win good prize money you're playing in the the lower smaller tournaments where it's tough to 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 get good money
0: yeah that's really really interesting and uh, i think one of the things you mentioned which i can see a positive side to it which is the fact that being number one in a certain country, you would be, let's say, more sponsored or earn more money than being 100 in, in a country where Paddle is already like, very well developed and established. I think maybe that could lead to more international players uh, getting into those top, top rankings, which obviously would be great to see. Yeah, it would be, be great for, sure. for, for the Tour to be more uh, diverse rather than just being based uh, Argentinians or, or,
2: or Spaniards. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the biggest reasons why Paddle's not yet in the Olympics is because they want it to be a bit more of a fair playing ground. They, they don't want it to be a guaranteed gold medal for Spain and Argentina. They want it to be a bit more competitive across the whole tournament. Um, but then my argument to that is if you look at sprinters, Jamaica are pretty much guaranteed to win every single time. Or if it's not Jamaica, it's USA. <laughs> so it doesn't quite make sense their logic. But I, I do understand that you don't want to to have a guaranteed gold medal, because they're almost gifting a gold medal right now to to Argentina or Spain. Um, Or at least the top three will be kind of pretty set before someone starts. So that's one of the reasons why we need to improve the level across the world, um, not just in Spain and Argentina, and hopefully now with more investors, more clubs being built, more courts. Like For example, in the juniors last year, Sweden came second, which was huge because that's one of the first times that a nationality outside Spain or Argentina, Brazil—that kind of generation has broken through. That, and we did it actually. GB back in 2015, we came third. We got uh, well, that was our best ever junior team. We had myself, Christian Medina, who are both in the adults now. Alfonso Patacho, who who lives in the UK, really good player. Frankie back back then was playing full time, and he was really good. We had really good under 14s as well, so we had a really solid eight players and yeah we've got top top three we've got a bronze medal we beat brazil um as a team which was huge you know because that was our pretty much our first year ever playing in a in a junior tournament so yeah we've got to try to improve the level in in all around the, in the world so we can eventually get an olympics and that'll be a massive statement as well and and really in, increase uh, the popularity in paddle
1: I really hope it does make the Olympics because exactly what you said. There's so many different sports where you just know what the top three is gonna be, pretty much. So I, I I personally don't buy that argument, but it could be me just being a massive paddle fan.
2: <laughs> I think it will. I think they're looking at 2032 will be the one where it's most likely to be in last year it was in the the European Olympics or something like that. So which was cool. That's step one needs to go through that before it can get to the actual Olympics. But they're looking at 2032 will be the, the year where it fully becomes an Olympic sport so fingers crossed that happens because that'll be I'll be 32 so I'll still be you know be able to play so hopefully I can represent GB in the Olympics that'd be really cool
1: I'm sure you will and gone it gives us another eight years to you know give it a go <laughs>
2: there you go <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> nice well yeah we we just wanted to finish off with a quick basically fire round questions just a couple of questions more because at the end of the day as a paddle fan I love hearing about the probably the most normal questions that you'd ask any paddle player so I wanted to kick off with what do you consider as your best shot
2: um none no I'm joking I I think (laughs) I would I would say my backhand volley is is my best shot I'd say yeah definitely my backhand volley
0: nice nice and now I'm going to go with the opposite. What would you consider as your worst shot?
2: Um, I would say um, my smash is not it's not my greatest shot. I have no confidence in it. That's one of the problems is that I'd never, I, for example, I hit a backhand volley and before I hit it, I'm already thinking, you know, I'm going to go up in the point or I might even win the point. Whereas with my smash, I, I hit it. And just before I hit it, I'm thinking I'm, yeah, I might lose the point here. I don't have the 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 right mentality to to really hit my smash. Um, it's confidence and, and things like that. All my lobs, that those two two most important shots in paddles, my two worst shots. That's not that's not great, <laughs> but um, I'm working every day to try to improve them. Well, think about it like this, Sam.
0: If you're 160 or 117, the world <laughs> and you you think you're two or shots of the most important one, if you do those, you will skyrocket.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it.
1: Definitely, and I probably know the answer to this already, but I did want to ask you, who's the best player you played against?
2: Um, it's got to be Galan or LeBron. I I played against Prime Galan. Um. I mean, I played against LeBron before he was LeBron. Like, I played against him when he was kind of up and coming. He was still in the Spanish team, so he was still good. But it was before he became number one in the world and, and yeah. he was top of the game. Um, so, yeah, Galan, for sure. And it felt like that as well. Playing against Galan was just... It was brutal. It was tough.
0: <laughs> nice. Speaking about Galan, which fair do you think will end up as the number one oh, by the end of the year?
1: Tough or maybe give, us, give us the top three ranked pairs
2: it's tough to say i think i mean glenn lebron they're always going to be there you know they're so solid as a pair they they kind of gel well their styles suit each other tapir and Coello. um i think they'll be up there as well stupa and Deneno, the same three as as last year i think we'll finish one two and three i'm not sure i'm i hope tapir and Coello. they're my my favorite pair i think um, also, I love this year Sandra and Paquito playing together. I would love them to do to do well. I'm not sure if they will, but that would be really really fun to see them up there the, those four I think um will be I think unless I'm forgetting someone obvious I think I think yeah, those three uh, disregarding Paquito and Sandra they'll they'll be top one, two three I think
1: i I totally agree and dabian Goya also. My favorite player and Gonz's favourite pair, so we we're all we're all in that. We're mode. rooting
2: for them, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. Although I do have high hopes for Yanguas. I think he's a great player and I think he yeah. can do quite well with Garrido. So Yeah,
2: for sure. That's an exciting pair. Or even Momo and Chingoto, you never know. Momo on his day can he comes out with some shots. I don't even know where he pulls him out from. Um Yangues is another really exciting option. And Garrido's, there's a lot of up and coming young players coming through now even you look at last year Augsburger and Leeback if they if they kind of stick together and improve they're only sort of 18 and 19 years old so you just never know with these young guns coming through on a fast court outside where the ball's flying around you've got so many pairs that can beat anyone
1: agreed and actually that, that does very much lead into the next question so young and up Coming UK players, maybe one or two that we really need to watch?
2: Um, yeah, there's a few coming around. There's one who's 13 or, or 12, 13. His name's Ollie. I'm not quite sure of his last name. He's a, he's a young lefty, plays tennis and paddle. He's um going to be really good if he takes it seriously. There's a few, there's a couple of twins um from Guernsey, I think, or Jersey or Guernsey, one of the islands. I can't quite remember. They've, they've just picked it up um the last last year or so last couple of years and, and they're improving a lot there's other players jake um buley he's only 20 um or 1920 but he's coming out to madrid a lot to train and improve a lot so those three um four they're kind of all up and coming you've got some other players that are there and they're about 2021 20, but yeah those those three especially jake is a good friend of mine um i'm trying to help him improve a lot and he is improving so yeah fingers crossed he can be the next one to break through the team.
0: Nice we'll keep this and we'll send it to you in 2032 when both of you are heading to the <laughs> Exactly that sounds <laughs> like a great
2: plan. <laughs> and then moving on what is your favourite tournament? Um, my favourite tournament that I've ever played in would be probably the I mean if we're not including the world championships because they're they're really fun to, to represent in Dubai, guitar. They're always quite fun. It depends what we're looking for. Like I favourite tournament to play in was probably the guitar major. Um, I played in that twice or the Rome Any of the majors, they're also... They're, those tournaments, you really feel special when you play against them. You're really looked after, really cared for. Everything is thought about. You go to like a, a FIP in wherever country and it's a bit messy, it's a bit... Disorganized, you've got kind of no water, there's this and that's wrong. And, you know, it's just not, it doesn't feel very professional. Whereas you go to the majors and you have cars picking you up from the airport, you have cars dropping you off, you have everything you need at, you know, one push of a button and, and you really feel like a, a proper athlete, or you can kind of see that that's, this is how the top level athletes in any sport should be treated. And, and it's really fun to be part of that. But if we're looking at where to what I've been to, I've been to um Thailand or Japan last year. And just as a country of this experience, that was really, really fun to see a new whole a new culture. Australia also a couple of years ago, I went. um That was really fun to visit all these countries and just see how the other side of the world kind of is.
1: Nice. Yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty exotic. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Just last question. And um, yeah, we're both very interested in this one. Who's the most famous person on your contacts list? So, on your phone,
2: my, my contacts list, um, storms. No in. one, I, I, <laughs> I haven't got storms in He's in. looking for some paddle. One, lessons. Day, one day, um, on my contact list, I don't think I've got anyone, um, that famous on Instagram. I've got the probably the biggest one that follows me right now is a uh, is a youtuber called Sharky he's basically he's got just over a million followers um and my flex is he followed me first because he loves paddle. <laughs> and, and yeah he followed me out the blue one day um but yeah hopefully this year on um, me i've met a lot of them through the prams and kind of different but nowadays in london there's a lot of celebrities playing it and i'm sure being at the top of the of the UK paddle scene, I'm sure I'll get to meet some more celebrities over time. It'd be really cool to to meet Beckham or any sort of footballers. I was unfortunate to miss um John Terry. I'm a huge football fan, so kind of I'm I'm listing footballers because to me they're they're quite fun to meet. Um but yeah, so just kind of all sorts of celebrities would be quite quite fun to meet, um, but especially footballers.
1: Actually, guns. That that's just a quick one before we finish. Uh, Sam is a massive Spurs fan.
2: No way, massive. Yeah, huge. I love him. Um, really, and, I uh, I, li- I like them as well. So uh, I'm. It's quite I'm fun. From... We're going through a good moment. Oh, yeah. not last weekend, but yeah, this season has yeah. been been a positive um, com- compared to what people were saying about us at the start of the season. We lost Kane. We lost Conte. We're in a bad place. Uh, football was dreadful. Um, but Big Ann just turned it all around, and and it's exciting to see what the
0: future is. He has such young squad as well. Yeah, they. Yeah, playing, definitely, like, it's such, exciting. It's
2: exciting to watch because yeah, yeah, I love going there. I, obviously, I don't, I don't go a lot when I'm in the UK. We've, we've got season tickets, so when I'm there, I I'll always take pick of my sister. So right now, we have my mom and my sister normally go. um But when I'm in the UK. I'm first choice, I'm there. So it's one of those that has to drop out. And uh, yeah, I love I love going down and supporting. And yeah, my favourite hobby for sure. Nice. Well, Sam, we don't want to keep
0: you here forever, even though I'm sure Hugo and I would love to stay here forever <laughs> talking to you. But uh, yeah, it's honestly been an absolute pleasure. I think we talked about some really- Yeah, it's been topics. really good. Uh, you've been really honest and really open with everything that you've told us and honestly, really interesting stuff. Uh, yeah I think uh, thanks a lot for coming on and obviously you're always welcome to to join and and we'll be cheering you and following you on this season
2: no thanks guys it's been a really good chat uh, conversation whatever you want to call it and hopefully we can do a a part two at some point over the next course of the next few months and we can do a catch-up on where I'm at and and yeah I've really enjoyed it so thanks for having me on 100%.
1: 100%. Honestly, just to reiterate, massive pleasure. Thank you so much. And Gons and I would love a few paddle tips on the court at some point if you're free. Yeah, let's organize a
2: game one time then for sure. Let's do it.
1: Great. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I will move that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Great.
0: And uh, to our listeners out there, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. And uh, thank you very much for, for tuning in. Cheers, guys.